I have a question for you this morning, and the question that I have for you is this. Where do you meet with God? Where do you meet with God? Last week, as we have been working our way through the book of 1 Peter, and we began in 1 Peter chapter 2, we were asked in verse 2 to come like newborn infants and long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This expectation that you would be coming to and tasting and seeing how good the Lord is. And so the question that I have is that where does that happen? How can you do that? Because back way, way back at the beginning of time, people were created in God's image for fellowship, relationship with Him. And Adam and Eve were in the garden. That was the place where they met with God. They would walk with Him and talk with Him. And they would experience His presence there in the garden. But because of sin, they were removed from the garden and they were separated from God and longed for this relationship with Him. Longed for this connection with Him. And ever since then, people have been longing for some sort of experience of God. Where does that happen? Where do I get this participation with something that is supernatural, something that is greater? And you will find people looking for this all over the place. Some people are looking for this in entertainment. They're looking for some sort of supernatural experience through entertainment that somehow will will thrill them and excite them. Some people will think that there is some sort of special place that if they just hike out far enough into the woods or up into a mountain and see a good enough view, that somehow this will be their participation and experience of the transcendent. Some people search inwardly and they're, they're trying to meditate and, and just, if they can just clear everything else out and have this spiritual experience that somehow they will reach this higher plateau. But that's, that's not the way that we reach God. That's not the way that He has told us that we can come to Him. And so we have, we've seen throughout Scripture that first God comes to Abraham and says, Come and I will make you a people. And I will be your God and you will be my people. And he, he tells Abraham, look, you're going to have kids and those kids are going to have kids and your descendants are going to be my people. But through this family, through this family relationship, you will experience me. You will come to me. And that family grew and became a nation and God made the same promises to to Moses and they, they built a tabernacle that would be this place of meeting with God. It was a a huge tent and there were all these rules and regulations about how you could and couldn't come to meet with God in a proper way. But this, this was the place. Right? This tabernacle was the place that, that if you wanted to meet with God, you would go there and you would offer the sacrifices and you would come into this holy place and you knew that the presence of God was in that place. And a priest would offer the sacrifices on your behalf and would intercede between you and God so that you could have this relationship with God and be in this holy place. And the nation took over the area of Israel and... David became the king there and he had this huge desire to have a place, a permanent place where people could meet with God. This was David's great desire and he said, I'm going to build God a house. 
That's what I'm going to do. I have a house. I've got a great house. It's the best house anywhere in the world. And I want to build God a house that is even better than this. A place where God can be, where God can reside, and His people can come. And people from all over the place will just flock to this house where God's presence is. And that's where the priests will do the work. And that's where people will be purified of their sin as they they offer the sacrifices. And they will be welcomed into the presence of a holy God in that place. And it worked. Ish. David said, this is what I really want to do. And Saul said, that sounds good. And God said, almost. You're a man of war. Not you, David. Not you. Your son can build the house. Your son can build the house. And David said, okay, I'm going to do everything in my power to make this the most amazing house that has ever been built. And he gathered workers, and he gathered money, and he gathered materials, and he stockpiled so much stuff, it was ridiculous. And in First Chronicles chapter 22, he calls his son Solomon. Says in verse uh, in First Chronicles twenty two verse six. Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, "My son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord my God, but the word of the Lord came to me saying, You have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name, because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. Behold." A son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. And he shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. Isn't that awesome? What a great promise that was given to David that David then passes on to Solomon and he goes, Solomon, you are my son. I so wish it was me, but I'm so glad that it's you. Because through our family and through this nation, God is going to bless all nations and this is going to be the place where people will come to meet with God and you are going to build this house and it's going to be magnificent. And so Solomon did. He put people to work and he built that thing. Enormous. Gorgeous. Ornate. The finest craftsman putting all of the stones together and building up the walls just right. Inlaying things with gold and cedar and acacia and bringing in all of the golden instruments and things that were used for worship and putting all of this together and the the appearance of this would have been magnificent inside and out. Up on the top of the hill at Jerusalem, you would just see that from miles away and know that is the house of the Lord. That is the place where people meet with God. And it lasted for a while until it was destroyed. 
And no longer was there a house, a place, where you could go and physically meet with God and have the priests interceding on your behalf and cleansing you so that you could meet with Him. And so where is this place that we can go to meet with God? I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And starting in verse 4, it says this. As you come to Him... A living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want to read that again. As you come to Him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As you come to Jesus, He's like a living stone. He's like a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. And you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. And the imagery here is unmistakable. It is that same temple imagery. It is that place of worship imagery. That magnificent house that Solomon built where God would reside and people would flock to that place to meet with Him, now He is describing this in more organic terms, but putting us in that physical space by way of illustration. And He's saying, Jesus is like the precious stone. And as you come to Him, then you, like living stones, are being built up as the spiritual house. And so I just picture that, that the picture of uh, Solomon getting ready to build the house and all of the people bringing these huge stones to build up this house and the stones making their way up the hill and being put into place by those craftsmen uh, nestled together, matched up, Put all together so that this house could be built up stone by stone, piece by piece. And the imagery now is that as each of you come to Jesus, that living stone, then you yourselves, like living stones, are being placed in there. You are part of that spiritual house. You are part of that temple. As you're coming to Him, He's taking you and He's going, Oh yes, I'm going to fit you right here. And and I'm going to take you and I'm going to fit you right here. And as each person is coming to Christ, each person is being fitted into this great temple, built, being built up as His people into this spiritual house. So that when we were saying, where is it that we go to meet with God? This is the place we come to Jesus to meet with God. 
And when we come, we are becoming that spiritual house, that place where people can find refuge and sanctuary and protection, that place where people can meet and experience God. In in fact, look at the language here. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You get to not only be the stones being built up into this temple, but each of you get to be the holy priesthood. The holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. That's fantastic. And yet so foreign from me, from my my day-to-day experience, right? And that's not normally what I'm thinking about. My normal experience is that I'm just walking through my day-to-day life, doing my day-to-day things with my day-to-day priorities. And what Peter's doing here is he's giving us a whole new category and way of thinking. You recall this, this whole section began back in First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Where he was telling us that uh, preparing our minds for action and being sober-minded, we were to set our hope fully on the grace that would be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he begins to unfold that and talk about what does it mean for us to be preparing our minds for action. And what does it mean for us to be the people of God? And then when we get to chapter 2, so put aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Right? He's describing to us this is what it means for you to be holy people. This is what it means for you to be the God's people together. This is the way that you are to act. But it's not that we're just supposed to act that way so that we're better people, Right? So that we're nicer people, so that we're more friendly people, so that we're more moral people, so that we're more friendly or likable or something like that, or less sinful. But rather, we are to be putting those things aside because they do not fit with the category of holy priesthood. And we are holy priests. That's what He's called you to be. So as you come to Him, He's calling you to be fitted into the temple and to act as a holy priesthood. So that you can can engage with other people and they can say, I don't know how to meet with God. And you say, listen, come here. I will show you how. Just as somebody would come into the temple and say, "I, I want to meet with God, but I can't. Why can't you? Because I am too sinful to meet with God. Then the priests would say, okay, here are the sacrifices that you must offer. What have you done? What are the the sins that are separating you from God? Here are the sacrifices that ought to be offered to make you holy again so that you can meet with God. We have that privilege to act as a, a holy priesthood. 
to offer those spiritual sacrifices on their behalf. Spiritual sacrifices that are not like that of of blood and goats and sheep and doves or those kinds of things. Because we have, our spiritual sacrifices are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As you come to Him, as you come to Jesus, that living stone that was rejected by men, but in the sight of God was chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Just as the the priests in the time of the temple had to offer sacrifices for themselves first so that they could be clean, so that then they could offer sacrifices on on behalf of the other people, We come to Jesus and we are clean and we're not even offering ourselves. We're just offering people that we also are bringing them along to Jesus, that living stone. The one that's chosen and precious. The one that that God has said, this is the one. David wanted to build me a house. David wanted to build me a place of worship. And I said that his son could do it, and Solomon did, but it wasn't perfect yet. For however glorious it was, for however well-renowned it was all over the world, people knew about this house that Solomon had built. There was one house to be built more glorious than that. That was to be built on Jesus. It's to be built on Jesus. Also a son of David. Also in that same line. Also to fulfill those same prophecies. But in a greater, far more magnificent and spiritual way. He's building that house. And as everyone comes to Him, then they like living stones are being built up into this magnificent temple. That reflects the glory of God. Beautiful stones perfectly fitted together. But through His people who are being sanctified and made holy through the work of the Holy Spirit to glorify His name to the ends of the earth. A place, a a holy temple not limited by physical uh, uh, geography, but all over the world, people are coming to Christ and being fitted into this temple to be representation of Him, to act as holy priests, to bring others in and offer Look, you can be a part of this also. But here's the problem. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men. I got so excited about the other stuff that I skipped right over those words. Because I got so excited about the being built up as a spiritual house and so excited about being a holy priesthood that I skipped right over that He's rejected by men. Jesus came as a way for us to get to know God, for us to come into relationship with God. And yet, so many people have rejected Him. Even as, as He was coming, people were going, I don't know about this guy. There were many who were super excited about Him and were flocking to Jesus. And there were many more who were very, very nervous 
about who Jesus was. And they said, no, 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 no. Not him. Not him. This is not the way. This is not the way to get to God. This is not the way to get what we want. This is not the way. He is not the one. And they rejected him. And the more popular he got, the more rejected he got. It's ironic. Until at some point he got so popular, he was so rejected that he was killed. And everybody fled and abandoned him. Even his closest friends. He was rejected by men, but in the sight of God he was chosen and precious. How, we, how do we know that Jesus was chosen and precious? It, verse 6 says, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Behold, I'm laying in, Z- in Zion a stone. That, that temple that Solomon built on Mount Zion, this huge stones. Do you remember the disciples as they were walking into Jerusalem with, with Jesus and the disciples were talking about the, the temple that was there at that time? Not Solomon's temple. This was a, a puny temple in comparison. Pretty pathetic, but they thought it was still pretty magnificent. And they came walking in and they said, Oh, wow, look at what beautiful stones these are. And Jesus just was like, What? No, you don't, you don't get it. You don't get it. I'm going to rebuild this temple in a new way. And people heard him say that and they went, I don't know about this guy. This guy is claiming to be more than just a teacher. More than just a route. This guy is claiming to be more, more than just a prophet. This guy is claiming to be God. This guy's claiming to have the power of God, the authority of God. And Jesus would begin to tell people, your sins are forgiven. And the, the other religious leaders were going, oh no, hello, uh-uh, no, hey. You don't have the authority. You don't have the right to do that. You're making yourself out to be God. And Jesus is going, guys, that's who I am. You could not come to the Father without coming to Me. Coming through Me. There's no other way but this. And they said, this is blasphemy. Done with Him. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone. A cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for those of you who believe, but for those who do not believe, verse 7, the stone that the builders rejected has become this cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. He, here he, he is referencing, Peter's referencing three different scriptures. The first was uh, Isaiah chapter 28 
verses 15 and 16. When he says, behold, I'm laying in Zion a, a, a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You can listen to Isaiah say similar words because he says in Isaiah 28 verse 15 because you have said we've made a covenant with death and with Sheol we have an agreement when the overwhelming whip passes through it will not come to us for we have made lies our refuge and in falsehood we have taken shelter therefore thus says the Lord behold I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to haste. He's saying, look, you, you have been coming up with all kinds of ways. You've been making deals with and bargaining with death, and you've been coming with, up with all kinds of ways that you will avoid death. Because you know that the judgment is coming and you, you have come up with all of these ways that you're going to deal with that, but that's not the way that you're going to be able to deal with the judgment that's coming. The way to deal with the judgment that's coming is to come to me and my precious cornerstone. So verse 7 of 1 Peter, So the honor is for those of you who believe, but for those who don't believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This comes from Psalm 118. We read uh, Psalm 118, uh, verses 22 to 24 at the beginning of the service, but I want to now read for you 19 through 24. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the, the place. This is the cornerstone. This is the one we will come to and, and find our salvation. But those who reject it don't have that same thing. They stumble over Him. He has become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 to 15. Do not call conspiracy what this people calls conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. And He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Now let me put these three things together for us so that we get the whole picture. Here's the imagery. The imagery is that, that God has said, I'm going to build for myself a house. I'm going to build for myself a place where people can meet with me and worship. And he took Jesus as that cornerstone and he put him right there and said, this is the foundation stone. Jesus is going to be the bedrock on which all of the rest of this will be built. And everyone will come to me through him. Everyone will be reconciled to me and, and be made holy through Him. And I will build the rest of this house on Him. 
But other people have said, I'm going to build myself a house. I'm going to build myself a house, a, a way of being made right. A way of dealing with my sin, a way of being uh, justified, a way of reaching the transcendent. And um, that stone is not going to work for me. In the sight of God, he was chosen and precious, but for everyone else, that's the, the stone that they rejected. The stone that they picked up and cast aside. They threw it away. They said, no, 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 I'm going to build my own house and it's going to have nothing to do with him. It's going to have nothing to do with Jesus. And when they took that stone and they rejected it, God took that same rejected stone and said, yep, that's the cornerstone. Anyone who's going to come to me is going to have to be standing on this stone. And that stone that was rejected, that the builders went, oh, nope, we're not going to use that. We're going to toss that stone aside over there. They start building their house and they turn around and stumble right over that stone. And go, what is this stone still doing around here? Who left this stone here? And God said, oh, that was me. I put that stone there. And I'm going to put you right by that stone. And they said, no, that's not a foundation stone. That's a stumbling stone. I'm tripping and falling all over this stupid stone. Why is this here? God is saying, that's the way that you come to me. You're not going to be made holy. You're not going to come into my presence. You're not going to be forgiven of your sin. You're not going to experience the transcendent unless you come to that stone. And they said, no. It's become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, it says, because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. These, these, the same language of, of um, the stones being put into place, that, 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 stone, that cornerstone was put into place, this is that same, uh, same kind of language here, that they're, they're being put into this place of stumbling. That way back at the garden when people rejected God, now there's been this seed in our hearts since then, this seed of rebelliousness, this seed of rejection of God ever since then. And so there's for all people this tendency that they are going to reject Him and push Him aside and prefer something else. They're going to prefer the sin, they're going to prefer the darkness, they're going to prefer their own self-proclaimed self-righteousness rather than in humility and repentance coming to Jesus. And because of that, when they reach this rock, instead of saying, this is it, I'm going to plant my feet here, and this will be my sure foundation, instead they're stumbling over Him. Because when you come to the rock, that's the two options you have. Everybody has to pass by the rock. And either you stand there and you say, this is my rock, This is my firm foundation, or you stumble and trip and are offended because of Jesus. Those are the choices. So the honor is for those who believe that glorious honor, that glory that the temple had, this place, this honor of, of having, being a place where you could meet with God. Those of us who are now being fitted into this temple, being made up into the walls of the temple as living stones, we share in that honor. 
It's ironic, people who are searching for honor usually are searching for their own honor. They're trying to build up their own house on, with their own stones and say, look what I have made. Look what I have become. And they try and do that through achievement or fame or uh, self-righteousness or somehow bring honor and glory to themselves in the things that they have made. But what Jesus is, is saying, or what Peter is saying about Jesus here, is that the honor comes when you come to Him. And it's a shared honor. There's nothing magnificent about any of these individual stones, but together they make up this place of worship. And share the honor of the stone that living foundation stone, the one that is chosen and precious in the sight of God. And so we also have been brought into this place. We have a similar language in, in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, 16, verse 16, is one of the most famous passages in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is the very same kind of thing that Peter is talking about. Jesus being that chosen, precious cornerstone. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But, whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. We come to him. We come to him. And in that there is honor and glory as we are made into a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But for those who reject that, they are already condemned. They stand in a, a place of stumbling. They, they, they stand in a place of condemnation because they have rejected the only true way to God. And it says, and they do this, the way that John says it is, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light because he doesn't want his stuff to be exposed. The way that Peter put, put it was they stumbled because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. They have a, a preference for their stuff and they don't want to put that aside and they don't want to have it exposed. And so they stumble over Jesus and they fall. And I want to encourage you this morning. 
I asked you when we started, where is it that you meet with God? Where do you meet with God? And maybe you had a physical place in mind. Maybe you have a a corner of your house or an armchair that that's the place that you meet with God. Maybe you have a, a place that's out in the woods that you like to go for a hike and that's the place that you feel like this is where you meet with God. Maybe you come into this place and you feel like this is the place where you meet with God. But I want to encourage you that Jesus is the one. He is the foundation stone of the temple and we as his people are just gathering together so that wherever we are, wherever we are as his people, that is where we meet with God. And the people who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are looking for a way to God. They are looking for a priest and guess who they're looking for? They're looking for you. You get to act as a holy priest. Bringing people to God through the sacrifices of Jesus so that everything that you offer is acceptable because of Jesus. For some of you, that's a, a really um, exciting thing. For some of you, that might be an intimidating thing. Wait, I didn't think of myself as a priest. I didn't think of myself as a, a holy priest offering spiritual sacrifices to God or making way for people to come into God. But you, you are the ones. You are the ones that make up the place of worship. You are the ones that make the avenue for people to come to God. You are the ones who make His glory known. You are those ones. Because you are standing on the foundation of Jesus. If you have not yet accepted Jesus as the Son of God, your sacrifice, I would encourage you, I I would love to talk with you, Rick uh, and Andy, our other elders, they would love to talk with you after the service today about how you can do that. And if you have already accepted Jesus, then I would love for you to think of yourself as a holy priesthood. Maybe you make a regular discipline of that. Maybe it's been a while since you've thought of yourself as a holy priest. And so I'd just love for you to to reflect on this this week, that he has made you to be a holy priesthood. And we're going to be talking over the next several weeks about what that looks like to be a, a distinct people set apart for him. But for this week, it's just this. That when you come to Jesus, you are standing and that is your firm foundation. That chosen and precious cornerstone. Through which all of our spiritual sacrifices are acceptable to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that um, this morning you would remind us of who we are. Father, I pray for those this morning that are stumbling over Jesus that uh, you would help them to uh, be aware of that. That you would disquiet their hearts and their spirit. That they would be not satisfied with any other house that they are building other than the one that is built on Jesus. Father, I pray for those 
here who have made Jesus to be their foundation stone. Lord, I pray that you would build them up and encourage them. Father, I pray that this community, this congregation of believers would be fitted together as as living stones, holy and pure before you. That we might bring you worship and cause others to worship as well. Father, thank you that it is not based on our work that our sacrifices are acceptable to you. But that Jesus has already provided the perfect sacrifice. And so that through him, all that we do becomes acceptable in your sight. May we seek to put aside all of the sin that entangles and walk in the light that you may receive the glory and the praise today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.